Well, welcome everybody to episode eight of the Blow Off Valve podcast. It's the podcast for automotive and motorsports news, as well as anything else that we might find interesting. We're your hosts, Tucker and Alex, and we're doing a little bit different show today. Um, it was kind of a light news week, at least in terms of stuff that we found interesting in the automotive world. And so we thought we'd do kind of a thematic episode. Uh, and we're going to talk about what would be our five car dream garage for each of us. And I think we're going to have, based on our pre pre-show talks and kind of differing opinions. So it should be fun. But uh, we wanted to start off with an interesting email. So Tuck, you want to s- summarize what you were thinking when you sent this out? Yeah, <laughs> it's because the summary is I'm always shopping. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> <laughs> not good. Um, yeah. No, I think I was just really curious after we had had our d- discussion um the other week about the gt3 release kind of the limited car problem yeah like and and like what what is it what does it take you know what is realistic what are realistic expectations how does kind of the process work and so right you know i think the probably the reality is in a very big market um you know maybe west coast east coast big cities I don't know that this would apply to them. I think it's probably going to be even more difficult to get a hold of one. Yeah. But, um, you know, after talking with uh, a smaller Porsche dealership in the Midwest, it, it didn't strike me as impossible, basically, yeah. from from the email. What it what it seemed like is, you know, you needed to have a track record with them. So some kind of purchase. And I, I think you're probably not talking about a Macan. You know, you're probably talking about some higher end stuff yeah you know to kind of create the track record that hey i i spend money at this dealership and right. then i think probably the kind of the high level summary was you would need to exp- you would be better off expressing an interest in this um you know sooner than later and so i yeah. think if i kind of remember now they they had mentioned that some of these deposits on the gt3 had been you know, put in place right. two years ago. Right. So I've got, I've kind of got the summary of that email you sent me. Yeah. Uh, but you're spot on. So basically this dealer had said um, that they had a short list of clients who'd given deposits as far back as two years ago on the 992 GT3. So basically when the 992 was first announced and coming out uh, and he said that he thought that his dealership would get five to six deliveries of GT3s over the next two years and that he'd already had 10 clients put down deposits. So there was already kind of a wait list. Yeah, yeah, there's already a wait list essentially. And he said that his process for the past two GT3 cycles, so for the the 991 generation, for the 997 generation, had been that clients would have to have bought other Porsches from that dealership to get right of first refusal for a a, a slot. So it's kind of what we knew about that they basically emailed their best clients first even yeah. if they haven't expressed interest and say, hey, would you want a spot? Um, the sale price would be 10% over whatever the configured MSRP is, which means like you, you go in, you build the car to exactly the spec you want, and then you're paying a 10% overage on that. Uh, and then they would sign an agreement to not export or quote unquote flip the car to a broker because um, that's obviously a big thing uh, with how people try and make money on these. But um, he didn't specify how long that that agreement would be. Um, I know like with the Ford GT, the newest one, 
uh, I think it was for like one or two years, they couldn't flip the car. And he said, it's not a perfect process, but it's the best he'd been able to come up with to be as fairly unfair as he could do when he has people calling him from all over the country trying to buy them. Uh, he's What I thought was really interesting, too, is he said, honestly, it's probably my least favorite time in a model change because inevitably I'm disappointing far, far more people than I'm making happy. Yeah. You know, and if you're a real... I'm selling these. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, it's great because they get they get a little bit of a markup on them. That seems, you know, completely reasonable with as in demand as these things are. Right. But, you know, obviously you're going to have a few enthusiasts who are not going to be able to get a hold of one. And so you're going to have to wait, you know, and you're going to get it used. And that might be, you know, with a contract in place or something, it might be a while and yeah. you, may, you may end up paying the same amount of money. <laughs> right. Yeah. The person that bought it new and you buy their configuration, you know? Right. And so if they did, you know, red on red on, yeah yellow stitching you're it's such you know you're buying (laughs) you're stuck yeah yeah no one of the the anecdotes that uh that we had heard from another dealer was you know that they had um a turbo 911 turbo s that that they configured with a client and the client did i think it was a guards red with a red interior (laughs) and they made him put down a pretty sizable deposit on that to that they weren't going to be able to sell that thing if he backed out yeah yeah, so. you gotta help. You gotta hope somebody else has poor taste. <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. Um, but I thought that was, you know, we both thought that was really interesting. Uh, kind of the behind the scenes of how these sorts of limited edition cars work. But yeah, it's really um, interesting. It, it made it made me think that if you did have an an, an established track record, you know, with a dealership, and and you were mm-hmm. obsessed over a car. And let's right. say you were thinking about this GT3 years ago. Mm-hmm. You you could maybe email them and say, I'm going to give you a 20% deposit on this right. car. I'd like to be at the top of the list. Yeah. What's and scary maybe is... Maybe they take it, maybe they don't. I don't know. What's scary, and I guess it's probably more scary for other brands that do these sort of limited edition cars, like Porsche kind of evolves over time, but you kind of know what the general shape's going to be. But I mean, imagine you're putting down money on like the newest limited edition Ferrari and you're having to do it two years, you know, before the car is even officially announced and you don't have any idea what it looks like, but you're putting down $50,000 towards whatever. That's a, that's a brave, (laughs) I mean, if you're, if you're worth a hundred million, like, I guess you don't care, but like, if you're someone who's like, you know, making some things work, doing some man math to get one of these cars, like that's a pretty brave step to say i you know because then if it ends up being horrendously ugly like you that's the thing you know, hope you can get yeah. the deposit back you're spot on with that i mean at least with the 911 you're you're gonna have a similar looking car there's gonna be some minor tweaks you'll probably learn to love them but yeah. some of the other manufacturers they may go in a dramatically different direction Right. Yeah, I think that's the nerve-wracking part. Uh, kind of moving on to the main uh, main topic of today's show, the five-car dream garage. The setup for this is that we're pretending that weather isn't a consideration. We live in Southern California or something, and money's no object. So you really can get anything you want, five cars. You can get a bunch of crazy sports cars and not have any normal cars, or you could make considerations for having to get the kids to soccer practice or whatever. So... Uh, it's pretty much however you want to do it. So do you want to kind of go like you do one, I do one, or how do you want to do it? 
Yeah, that sounds good. I I think, you know, we had talked about doing this episode for a while. Really when we were coming up with the idea of the podcast, honestly. Yeah, and and I had thought about what I would put in that garage and Yeah. I think at the time I was thinking like, okay, you know, money will be a consideration and weather would be a consideration. And then when we kind of added that caveat that those things wouldn't matter, interestingly for me, the the garage didn't change a whole lot. And it's it's mostly because these are cars that I've just wanted for a really long time. Right. And and I have, so why don't don't you start us off then? Well, probably the first thing I would do, I guess just because I'm a vain individual, <laughs> I'd probably just get a Tycon Turbo S. Um, obviously, there's not a huge difference between that and, and the Turbo that I've got now. But yeah, I guess if money's not an option, you know, why the hell wouldn't you, I mean, you know, get go, the extra letter? Yeah, Get the extra letter. Uh, one of my, uh, a, a colleague of mine has, has always said that that's, you know, the the person at Porsche who figured out a way to get people to pay an extra 30 grand for the letter S is genius. <laughs> right. Yeah, 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 exactly. And it's <laughs> kind of true. Of the king of the trim level. Yeah, right. I mean, that whole automotive group was just, it's the king of the pecking order, to be honest. Yeah. So I think that could be entertaining. I obviously, like, my experience with the Turbo has been that it they're just massively powerful cars and absurd to begin with. And right. so it's it's mostly just, I guess, to have, you know, why not stuff some banana yellow brake calipers in, in big wheels? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. For sure. No, I, I think I, I think that's a cool choice because it, it shows, like, you've kind of already gotten one of your dream cars, which I think is pretty awesome. Yeah, in essence, yeah. That's a good point. So my first car is going to be kind of a poster car, I think, for anyone that is kind of our age or within 10 years of our age, at least. Uh, and that's a Ferrari F40. I think that to me is like the modern, kind of a modern classic uh, dream car. Like everything about it, twin turbo V8, you know, manual, super light. I mean, at the time, like we're talking like a carbon Kevlar body and like really advanced like material usage. And it just, that is the penultimate supercar shape to me. I mean, it just looks it does phenomenal. Like yeah. I've been fortunate enough to see three out of the four kind of Ferrari hypercars. I, I don't count the 288 GTO personally, but like I've seen an F40, I've seen an F50, I've seen an Enzo. And the F40 to me just is a timeless uh, looking car. And it, I actually had a really, it was kind of a fun experience. So Back when I was in college and med school, there was a website called Six Speed Online that was like a, a car forum. And there was a really nice guy on there who had a really cool collection of cars. And his name was Jazz Singh. He was a ER doc from Tennessee. And I I had DM'd him one time, like asking him, asking about how he liked ER medicine and and not because I was this is when I was like considering going to medical school and before I completely made up my mind as to what I was going to do and he wrote me a really wonderful thoughtful reply that's and cool. just just seemed like a really nice and just always seemed like a very nice guy very respectful on you know car forms can get to be kind of nasty yeah. places sometimes <laughs> and he was just always incredibly thoughtful and and gave really nice replies to people and so years later I was watching a petrolicious video on the Ferrari F40 and Petrolicious, for those of you that don't know, is a, a website that does really 
phenomenal uh, car videos. And lo and behold, it was Jazz Sings F40. Wow. So they were talking to him and, and on video, he came off just as nice as he did online. And I just thought it was, it was such a cool, yeah, it was just him driving the hell out of his F40 and like talking about how he, his kids loved it and he took them for rides. And I was just like, that is so awesome. And it was just like another kind of cool piece of my, you know, addition to my uh, love for the F40. So that would be, you know, when I hit the lottery, that's the first car I'm looking for. Okay. When you look at that car, I mean, it just, it looks like the car that as a kid you'd have the poster on the wall or your parents mm-hmm. would buy you the model kit for exactly. It's like a, you know, like a toy car that you'd have when you're, you know, five years old or something. It's like exactly super car. Like it, it blows my mind that there are people out there spending and granted it's a different car, but like, you know, there are people buying three and $4 million Bugattis when you could get an F40 for a million. Like yeah. I just, I would be all over that car. So that's my first, that's my first one. So my second one would probably have to be a BMW 2002. Ah, the classic. Yeah, I just kind of fell in love with that car. It's, it's What is it about it? Well, it's kind of like quirky, you know, especially mm-hmm. in in seeing them in real life. They're not very big and it just is no. it's kind of startling. It's a startling reminder of what a sedan looked like. Yeah. decades ago <laughs> and how, yeah, how big be, modern cars are yeah gotten. yeah yeah what was thought to be satisfactory <laughs> right yeah exactly i think that it's it's almost like a it's like almost like a bmw caricature you know yeah it's, yeah. it's really it's, like the perfect bmw form in my mind and um, obviously it's changed over time but it it just kind of celebrates the brand in a way that i think of it yeah um, i, I you, it's you know, the last you, time the vertical kidneys looked good <laughs> yeah, I know they're appropriately sized, right? Appropriately sized kidneys. You know, I you know it's I got love... it's got goofy things like you know a front bumper that sticks out practically a foot. You know, yeah, a bumper yeah. was a bumper, and it wasn't yep. hidden within the front of the car. It's you know a manual. It's got great visibility. You're you're kind of driving around in a fishbowl. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say it's it's really kind of like a greenhouse. You know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I love it. Absolutely would love to have one of those someday. It's such a it's such a cool um it's such a cool shape and you it really is like you can look at that car and see that same shape echoed in like the E30, yeah. the E36. You know, it started to change a little bit more with the E46, but I mean, it it really was the progenitor for a lot of that a lot of that style. Very and cool. And it's a manual, you know, you yeah. can get it, you can get it in a manual. So what you know, so realistically, you know, I guess it would be nice to have maybe one that was authentically restored, but mm-hmm. you know, it's a it's a project car for a lot of people, and so there's a lot of variety out there. And I think some people are doing really nice jobs, you know, restoring yeah. them. They might not be authentic, but I think it just offers a cool driving experience. Yeah, know? with the with the Taycan. Turbo S, you know, you've got all the power in the world, you know, zero to 60 yeah. times. And it's as fast seconds. as you'd ever need. Yeah. So at that point, it's kind of like, for me, I'm looking for unique driving experiences. Right. Yeah. No, I mean, that that's kind of like a perfect, you know, 
65 and sunny Sunday exactly. afternoon. Yeah. Put the windows down. It's not the power. You're not going to get in trouble with it. It's not that powerful. No, no, you, won't. <laughs> you know, but it's going to be a super fun cruiser for sure. Yeah. So I'm going to go for, I kind of did mine in terms of like each one fitting a, a, a niche. Okay. More or less. And so for me, the next one's going to be what I would want to be my daily driver, which is a 991 GT3 manual. I think it's to me the perfect, perfect daily driver. If you if you don't have to worry about bad weather that often, snow mm. or heavy rains and stuff like that, you've got an engine that that revs to nine thousand. It's essentially that like a slightly detuned version of the car of the engine yeah. that's in my RS, which I love. It's a it's a wonderful manual shifting experience. You've got enough room in in the front trunk. That if you needed to go to whatever yeah, Walgreens to get yeah. some groceries or whatever, no big deal. You can totally do that. But on a Saturday morning, you can take it out, have some fun with it. You know, you could potentially take it to a track a couple times a year, and it it will probably yeah. put to shame most other cars there. And then you just drive it home. You know, <laughs> that's pretty. It, it's it's got a good amount of sound insulation, so it's not. You know, the, the my one knock against the RS for me personally is, you know, you get done driving it. And if you were in it for a long time and you're driving it, you know, pretty enthusiastically, it does kind of beat you up. You know, it's a stiff suspension. <laughs> it's a stiff suspension. You're there, right. There's, yep. there's very little sound insulation. You feel and hear everything. So it is a, it does a number on you, which is what I like about it. Yeah. It's the theatrical. That's how I, right. And that's how I use it. But I would never want to daily drive the thing. You know, <laughs> drive to work and home. And home with a headache every day. <laughs> yeah, no. But the GT3, I think you get 80 to 85% of what you can get from the RS in terms of the experience with 100% more daily usability. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, I agree. And that's that's one of the things, you know, that some of the other people I know that, you know, own uh, somewhat more sporty you know, 911s, especially where we do actually currently live, the roads right. are not super forgiving. You know, they no. buckle, they get potholes, they get, you know, bumps, and, and it can be it can be pretty brutal. Right. Um, it's not smoothly paved Autobahn. <laughs> right. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, it. I think, yeah, the, the GT3 is, to me, probably, for the yeah. money, the best all-around car you can, you can get. Yeah. Amen. So... So yeah. that's my number two. So my number three would would be a nine eleven Targa, and uh, I'd like I'd like that to be an air cooled nine eleven Targa. Okay, so like an older so, one. Yeah, so I'm probably looking at maybe like late seventies, early eighties. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It's you know I I learned how to drive a manual on my mom's. It was a BMW three twenty eight. You know, convertible, the, right? Yeah, and it was a convertible, yeah. and I and I love that. I thought that was it was just a neat, you know, treat to be able to take that out when it was nice out. You know, drive yeah. under a big canopy of trees and look up and just be like, wow. <laughs> yeah, you're you're in nature. You're that. in. Yeah, yeah. and it's so I think experience. you know the Targa is a nice. It it accomplishes a lot for me. You know, it's the old classic nine eleven. Right kind of convertible it's pretty easy to change in and out in that the targa bar is just kind of a cool distinguishing feature of yeah the car. 
What um? So given that it's money, no object. What about a singer? Oh boy! Like a sing, like because you could do a targa with a singer. Yeah, that's probably you know, true. Yeah, it's a it's a thought. I guess it's kind of like when you said you know originally, um, if money was no option, you know, right. we talked about this being anything you you could ever want. I guess the truth is, it's just kind of become a car that I've obsessed over. Yeah, and I just want it in that form. And, right, and part of it for me is kind of like achieving the 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 dream of wanting that um and getting satisfaction from that and then um again kind of like the 2002 just the unique driving experience that it offers yeah Um, and that because it is like a small narrow car you know with wheels that actually have sidewall on it it's kind of a unique looking creature yeah yeah no it'll i mean the thick sidewall, like the suspension is going to be more compliant than a lot of modern 911s probably. And, you know, the sound of an air-cooled flat six is yeah, it's cool. very distinctive. Yeah, it's a neat part of the heritage, I think. So, what's Yeah, it, it's it's interesting. Like, you're, uh, so far your cars, aside from the Turbo S, are all, like, definitely attainable. They're not obscene. Yeah. Although the you know the nine eleven old nine elevens obviously are going up, yeah, but they can get expensive. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that that you know there's going to be eventually a cap on those because they made so many of those cars that, yeah. that like and yeah like some are beaten up or wrecked or whatever. But I think there's there's too many cars for the the prices to get keep getting crazier and crazier on them. So yeah. hopefully they level out. But. I, I think that's a really good choice. That's a fun one. Um, so my next one, I figured, you know, I they can't all be crazy sports cars. Like we've got to run errands and go to the store and and get the dog to the dog park and stuff. We did like a family car. Yeah. So I went with the 2020 Audi RS6 Avant. A nice. Uh, yeah. I I I just. It's just such a, I, it looks like such a fucking brute. I, I just love, I love how it looks. It's, it's low, it's wide. Yeah. It's fast. I, I have such a, I have such an affinity for fast wagons. I just think there's something really cool about a car that probably most people would make fun of. Yeah. And then yeah. like absolutely demolish you stoplight to stoplight, you know, completely, you know, it it's and and it sounds good. It's got this rumble to it, and it's just yeah, like yeah. you're not you're not screwing around when you sh- you know. But at the same time, you're showing up for the school pickup line, and you got this like obscenely overpowered. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, from a practicality standpoint, like oh, ton yeah. of space, all wheel drive. It's all you could ever want. Um, it makes complete of, sense. Yeah, you know, and and so I I'm pretty sure we could fit the dog in it. Uh, so yeah, I I just think it's such a cool car, and I love that you know Audi has finally brought over the the Avant to the U.S. Uh, so I like I've told you before, um, you know, I if these weren't so obscenely priced, like yeah. I would be heavily considering trading for one. No, I completely agree. And that was the next one on my list as well. I mean, I've got right now, I've got a station wagon, a Volkswagen, all track. (laughs) (laughs) So I know that they're imminently, they're very practical. Yeah. They're incredibly practical vehicles. And uh, I love it. And it's a great daily driver when 
the weather's not not just not great for the Tycon to go out in it. It can. It's got no issues with it, but yeah, yeah, it's perfect for that. It's perfect, you know, when the dogs are kind of wet in a mess. Yeah, you know, right. You need to take them somewhere. Like that's the vehicle. And yeah, uh, it's easy for like them to get back. Yeah. It's easy for them to get in and out of it. And um, you know, I've always I've been a long time Audi fan. You know, uh, we saw the the RS6 come over in sedan form mm-hmm. um, years ago. That was such a cool car. Um, yeah. my, my dad had the A6, you know, version. Um, and so I kind of, as a kid, obsessed over that. You mm-hmm. know, and I think when I was younger, the, the wagon thing was kind of strange to me. But I think, you know, in the form it takes in, in the RS form, it's, it's obviously it's super nasty looking. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's a behemoth. And like you said, you can chuckle at it, but it's going to leave you in the dust. And, right. And the sound it makes is not something to chuckle at. I mean, yeah. you're, oh, you're yeah. going to know that, that something is unique with that vehicle. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's kind of a sleeper and then it's a wagon, but the looks, right. the sound That's of it right. are not a sleeper. Now, I will <laughs> yeah. give an honorable mention, and I would argue that you might kind of also consider this in place of the Avant is the newly released uh Tycon Cross Turismo pictures. Like a little bit lifted, kind of big tires. Like, yeah. like, oh, like that could be a pretty sweet. I mean, it's gonna be fast. It's gonna be a great family hauler. You know, it's super practical with the space in the back. I mean, that's probably the one complaint, you know, with the with the Tycon is the roof slopes really nicely in the back to give it that 911 character. Right. And you know, if you're a uh, six six and a half foot you know person sitting in the back of that you're probably not going to love it right Um, i think with the big panorama roof you've got more headroom so if you you opted for the you know the hard top Mm -hmm. um, it's going to be even tighter back there and so for practicality purposes the the cross turismo hits a nice sweet spot yeah yeah i i'm i am very curious to see one in person because i think it looks awesome in the in the pictures and and could be a pretty nice rival to something like an rs6 avant if you want to be obviously a little bit more green uh earth friendly the the avant is (laughs) definitely not (laughs) so yeah exactly uh so so my my next car um is one that i've kind of mentioned uh before on the podcast but it's a very specific version of it. So my next car would be the R34 Skyline GTR yeah. Yeah. V-Spec 2 NUR, which is a very limited edition, limited to about a thousand units of the G- of the R34 GTR. It's got you know a unique aesthetic pieces, but also kind of slightly more horsepower and some kind of me- mechanical tweaks that make it a little bit more special. And I would also modify it quite a bit. Um, mm-hmm. This is like the dream. <clears throat> tuner japanese car like this was what it is when i was thinking screams like gran turismo you know yeah a hundred percent like this is the car that 15 or 16 year old me you know if i had the chance to do it like pick any japanese car to to modify however i wanted like this would be it um so i would get one and then i would just basically get all the parts that i dreamed of getting when i was younger send it to a reputable shop and say 
do what you got to do. I want this all to get on there and work well uh, together and send it back to me when it's done. Yeah, no, that's a great choice. And you've been pretty consistent with that over the years. That's that's kind of what I mean by even though you're given, you know, if, if we walk into this and we say, hey, you can prices, you know, money's no option, like whatever, you kind of right. stick to some extent with the cars that you've obsessed over most of your life anyways, because they're they're meaningful to you. I was thinking about this last night when I was putting the list together and I thought, you know, is it, it, would it be silly for a guy, you know, by the time these are legal road, like by the time you can legally import these, you know, I'll be pushing 40 and, you know, is it, how silly would it be for a 40 year old guy to be stepping out of like some like Mm -hmm. lowered modified loud R34 GTR. And I thought about it and said, you, you know, I don't, I never thought it was weird when I saw some 40 year old guy when I was a kid stepping out of a 69 Camaro that was modified and yeah, loud and whatnot. I was just like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Like the things that you like fall in love with as a kid, I don't think ever really leave you. No. And no, so, like, yeah, that's what you want is like that thing that sparked your imagination when you were seven or when you were 15 or whatever it was. Yeah. And that kind of gets to, you know, my choices with, you know, the 2002. Mm-hmm. And the old 911, you know, I mean, you can have them in all sorts of forms. I mean, if you wanted a 2002 turbo, you know, you're looking well into the hundred thousands. Right. Yeah, for like the nice one. So all sorts of iterations, but just kind of comes back to like, that was, you know, your formative years with cars and thinking about them mm-hmm. that sticks with you. And it's just yeah. something you'd love to attain if you could. Yeah. And I mean, it, it could very well be like a never meet your heroes moment where like I get sure. the car and like, oh, this feels kind of slow and shitty compared to like everything modern that I drive. Like my, my, my 335i might feel faster, but from, from what I've heard and what I've read about not only the R34, but the R32 and R33 GTRs, like they all are very nice driver's cars, Yeah, you know, and it is a manual it's right-hand drive. So it's kind of a, a unique thing. Um, it would be a unique thing in my garage, at least, you know, so there's a little bit of hesitation on my part of like, uh, what if, what if I'm just, you know, I'm still judging it by the standards of its time instead of like, yeah, which I think you need, I think you probably need to do that. Like you need to go into it knowing like, well, compared to my RS, this is going to feel probably very slow, but yeah. And it's almost like it's, it's you know, yeah, it's practically a collector's car. At that yeah. It's a, di- you know, it's a, it's it's a time a machine, machine in a sense. Right. And, uh, At its and time, that, it was a it was a peak sports car, but now it is yeah. kind of playing a different role. And that's what I mean by the performance offered by so many cars today is is it's just kind of unparalleled, but it's it's all kind of similar. Yeah. You know, I mean where you get into the magic, I guess, is probably suspension and you know, things like downforce kind of creating this, you know, magical experience that you're like, how the hell is this car still on the road? Right, right. Totally. Whereas those old cars offer kind of a theatrical experience. It's like an old play or something you're, you're, you're yeah. and you can it, participate in, you know, it, I don't. It, it, well, it's also going to be a more analog experience, right? Like you're not going to have all the driver aids that you have, particularly like, you know, the, the GTR will have some of that, but like say your old 1011, it's not going to have like all the traction control systems that you have now. No. It's, it's it's got you know it it's got hydraulic steering. It's not an electric rack that you can tune to be 
you know, twitchy or slow or however you want. Like it is just what it is. It's very straight feedback from what the tires are doing to what you're feeling. Yeah. Um, That's a really good point. It's got its own personality and it's very distinct. I think that's, I think, I think that's what attracts me to it. Yeah. I think, I think you're totally right. Gosh, is it your turn or mine? I think it's your turn. I think it's my turn. So this is my last, this is my, Number five, and I think this get you know as as I, I keep saying, okay, if you know money's no option. Well, if money's no option, I would probably go for something crazy, something super hard to obtain. I would probably get uh try to get a Gordon Murray uh, T fifty. Yeah, um, just because fifty. Yeah, yeah just car. just because he is you know the designer that he is that you know the automotive impact he's had historically mm-hmm. and as we talked in the other episode he's been given a blank slate right whatever you want to spend it doesn't matter how much this car costs you just do whatever you want gordon <laughs> yeah yeah no no the t50 over the f1 did you can oh, did you consider the I, f1 or no i mean i i thought about that but i think to me, the the neat feature of the T fifty is I see it as probably in a similar way Gordon sees it as kind of the pinnacle right, of right. the internal combustion, the the pinnacle of the execution of that yeah, vehicle. Yeah. And he's gotten to do everything that he dreamed that he would do on the original car that mm-hmm. maybe he couldn't do at the time. He's put it into this. And I think, you know, again, with electrification and all this other stuff going on maybe we don't see another one of those in our lifetimes. And so I'm kind of attracted to it in a sense of its future state being yeah. maybe the last of its kind. Yeah. The peak of, of, of its technology. Yeah, basically. So that would, uh, I think you know, it would be like having a museum piece. I don't, I don't, I'd probably drive it to some extent, but I'd mostly just admire it, which is yeah. I think what a lot of people are going to do when they get those. Anyways. Oh, for sure. Well, and the thing is, you know, it actually is kind of not only with the Gordon Murray Association, kind of the modern day F1, or it could be, yeah, exactly. Drives, but you know, he did a the F1 and the T50 both share the fact that like a lot of their components, uh, whether it's the sound system or suspension or engine, are being specifically crafted exactly weight savings and for things like that to make this. To, this to is a specification. Yeah. This is a crazy bespoke car. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's. It, I mean, the how fast it revs, the twelve thousand red line, you know, the lightness. Like, I mean, it's going to be. I don't think there's any way it's not phenomenal. Yeah, that's kind of my thinking. So if I if I had to pick one car that was just in my mind kind of lunacy, I'd say mm-hmm. that's the one I would probably go for. Nice. nice. I think that's a great choice. Uh, I am going to go the opposite direction in in time from okay. the T50. My final choice, and it, it was a little bit of toss up, and I'll get into that. But it's it's the Ferrari 250 GTO. Okay. Uh, to me, there's not a more beautiful car that has ever been made. Yeah, I mean, there's no question about that. That that car is just absolutely gorgeous. Absolutely gorgeous. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think it was at a time when maybe aerodynamics wasn't completely understood and appreciated, but just it's just sexy. <laughs> it's yeah, it's it's the classic sports car shape, long hood, 
Yeah, you know? exactly. <laughs> it, it there's I've never seen one in person. That's a great choice. <laughs> but I'm hoping that someday if I go to like Monterey Car Week or Goodwood or something that I'll see it. But were, were think, these run in Lamar? So they were run in Lamar. Okay. They were run um they took you know, they they won, took part in and won the Mil Milia before it was you know, before the race yeah. was canceled. Um they competed in the the Panamericana race. I mean, they they completed yeah, the all over the world and won all over the world. I mean, they were f- unbelievable race cars for the time. You know, now yeah. now I think the only realistic way you could get one, unless you are just ungodly yeah. wealthy, even you have to be still very wealthy to to do yeah. this. <laughs> There's a company in England called GTO Engineering that basically produces kind of replica gtos um for about a million pounds i'm not sure what the exchange rate is but there are a million pounds in the uk and they essentially are built to the standard of the original car so it's not like a resto mod where it's got modern suspension all stuff it is basically built to give you the experience of being in an original 250 gto it's basically like an artist reprint exactly i mean i'll I'll still never be able to afford one but like there's at least a way to experience what this car could provide you without spending $25 million at auction. You know, that's so, a great choice. I've got to say <laughs> that's such so a the great reason. Choice. The reason I said it was a little, I was debating. So the other car I was considering just from a beauty standpoint was the Aston Martin DB five. Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, we both <laughs> love James Bond and yeah. I think Goldfinger, you know, that car has a special place in in our hearts for for that but um i think you know ignoring the value of the car i think the 250 gto is just the most beautiful if you're talking about cars as art it doesn't get any better yeah it's gorgeous (laughs) well uh i think we both had some pretty have pretty epic garages um (laughs) and (laughs) is there anything else you want to add buddy i don't think so I mean, part of that, you know, garage is going to change with time, right? You know, it's going to change with interest. It's going to change, you know, if, I mean, most of that car for me is it's all internal combustion, except for what one electric car. And I think mm-hmm. that's probably going to, it will probably stay that way for me for a very long time, just because these things will become more and more rare yeah, uh, and, and really take a place uh, in, in history. Right. And, well, and I think, can you imagine, like as a kid, if you grew up and you were only exposed to electric cars, right. and then you got in something like your, you know, GT3 RS? Oh right? yeah. Like, <laughs> what the hell would you think about that? I have no idea. Yeah. Yeah, but somebody's got to preserve that so people can have that experience. <laughs> no, and I think you know we talked a little bit at, at various stages of this podcast about you know the character of the car is so unique like your your air cooled 911 versus mm. an RS6 Avant like the the engine creates a different attitude for each of these cars and i think that that's one of the, the challenges that the um the people making the EVs have to face is aside from the car looking different how do we give it its own character because Right. At least in my limited experience with EVs, they're all real fast, and that's kind of about it. Yeah, they're fast in a straight line. They all feel, you know, heavy as hell because they're toting around a big battery pack. Basically, the only distinguishing feature is uh, 
what kind of synthesized noise do they decide to put in it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So when you don't have an engine creating a, a character to a car, what can take its place? If any? And I yeah. think that's still yet to be answered. I agree. I agree. All right. Well, we'll, we'll kind of end on, on that. And uh, thank you everybody again for listening. Um, if uh, you want to reach out to us, uh, our Instagram is the Blothel podcast. We'll, we'll post when shows are going live and that's a great place to ask us questions and suggest show topics, things like that. And also if you're listening on iTunes, please rate us. Um, you know, the higher our ratings and the higher the number of ratings we have, uh, the better chance we have of kind of reaching uh, even more people. So uh, thank you all again, and we'll talk to you next week.